Romans chapter 1. We made it all the way through verse 2 last week. Romans chapter 1, let's go ahead and read Romans chapter 1 here, first couple of verses. The Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll jump right in. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all you've done for us. Father, we love you. So grateful to have this opportunity to study your word again. Father, I pray that you would help us as we look at your word. Help us to know who you are and what you've done for us. Help us to be assured of it tonight. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm going to pre-warn you. I have a lot of verses to go through, all right? So either get your pen out or get your fingers really nimble as we go through the introduction, all right? Lots of verses to go through tonight. But let me ask you an extremely important question. How do you know that Jesus Christ is your Savior? Just think about that. How do you know that Jesus Christ is your Savior? Let me ask this question. How do you know that the gospel is all about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? How do you know that? How do you know that? You see, the Bible is an extremely congruent book. Everything is all-encompassing. It all flows together. And where there should be skepticism and angst, where we should be a little worried that these things don't tie together, the reality is there is unity and victory in the entire Bible. We talked a little bit about last week on how Jesus was foretold in the prophets. And we walked a little bit through how he was foretold, but nobody really picked up on it. He was hidden from the time the world began, from the foundation of the world, but is now made manifest. But it was something that God had planned all throughout the entire, from the foundation of the world. So the reality is it's so congruent. You would think that, oh, this is, this, these cannot tie together, but they do. Let me ask, uh, oh, Paul, excuse me, Paul begins by addressing the very foundation of our entire existence. He addresses the fact that we are the servants of God. Notice again, verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. We get that same privilege, a servant of Jesus Christ. And so Paul addresses that. That's the foundation of our very existence, to serve God, to bring glory to his name. We are here to continue to perpetuate the gospel, no matter what comes. By the way, if you're in a small group Maybe you haven't gotten to this point yet. Maybe you get to it Tuesday or whenever your small group is. We're talking about the fellowship of the gospel in good times and in bad from the book of Philippians. So we are here to perpetuate the gospel. We are here so that all the world may know that the gospel is for them. I hope we understand that. That the gospel is for everyone. For everyone. Whether you're Jew or Greek. Whether you're male or female. Whether you're bond or free, it's for everyone. It applies to everyone, by the way. It applies to everyone right where they are at. Right where they are. Does that mean they get to stay right where they are? Absolutely not. Say, we don't get to stay right where we are either, spiritually speaking. We must continually be changing. We must be continually growing closer to Jesus 
Christ. But let me ask you this. What is the basis of the gospel? What is the basis of the gospel? How do we know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? How do we know? How do we know that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh? Well, Paul brings us to this exact point. Again, I want you to notice verse 3. He says, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. What is concerning? Verse 1, because verse 2 is a parenthetical thought. He says, separated unto the gospel of God concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So what is the basis of the gospel? Well, Paul points here and says the basis of the gospel, it is concerning Jesus Christ, the son of God. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well, how do we know that? We can't just take Paul's word for it, can we? Absolutely not. So let's walk through the Bible. In fact, Jesus knew that he was the Son of God. Go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 16. John chapter 3 and verse 16. Most of you will know this verse. But look, God says, for God Jesus says this, excuse me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why? That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Look, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. It's through the only begotten son of God that people will be saved. Look, verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It says Jesus Christ, speaking of himself, Jesus knew exactly who he was. You're in John. Go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and verse 6. John chapter 14 and verse 6. The Bible says this, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, And the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no way to get to God but through Jesus Christ. If he had known me, watch, he should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Oh, watch, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Basically, if you can show us the Father, we'll believe you. Show us the Father and it will suffice us. But he doesn't stop there. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me, watch, has seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. So understand Jesus and the Father are one. They are in each other. They are one in the same. If you have seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. We see this exact same thing in John chapter 17. We won't go there. But Jesus praying to God saying, I in thee and thou in me. We are one. Jesus knew who he he was. He knew that he was God. He knew that he was God's son. 
but that's probably not enough evidence for you. After all, a crazy man can claim he is anything he wants to be, right? I could, I could stand up here and be crazy and claim I am anything that I want to be. So it's not just Jesus' word we have to take from it. Guess what? Even Satan knew who he was. Matthew chapter 4 with me. We already spent a little bit of time in Matthew chapter four, or Luke chapter 4, which is the same story. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. Just to give you a little bit of context here. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had been fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. I want you to notice verse 3 especially. And when the tempter came to him, he said, watch, if thou be the Son of God. Interesting. He knows that Jesus has is the Son of God, and so he's baiting him. If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And we, hopefully you know the story. Let's jump down to verse 6. He says much the same thing. Takes him up onto the pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dashed thy foot against the stone. So here we see Satan baiting Jesus. Come on, you've, you've made the claim, are you really who you say you are? I ask the question, why do you think Satan is putting so much uh, stock in tempting Jesus? Why do you think he's putting so much emphasis? Why do you think he's out there tempting Jesus? Why is he trying so hard? Because he knows that Jesus is the Son of God. And if Satan can get Jesus to cave under the pressure of the temptation then Jesus will never go to the cross. You realize that? If Jesus would cave to the temptation and Jesus would accept his proposal, Jesus would never have gone to the cross to provide the gift of eternal life to all who will receive it. Go to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Satan knew he was the Son of God. Mark chapter 5, look at verse 6. Again, context. They go to the other side of the sea. The maniac of Gadara is there. The maniac, Jesus steps out of the boat. The maniac of Gadara meets him at the tomb. Verse 6, the Bible says, When he, being the maniac, saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Verse 7, and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. This is the legion speaking. The legion saying, What have I to do with thee? Jesus, thou son of the most high God. This is Satan's cohorts. They knew it. They knew that Jesus was the son of the most high God. So I want you to understand that Jesus' enemy, Satan, the devil, his number one adversary, knew who he was dealing with. His cohorts knew it. In fact, not only did Jesus know it, not only did Satan know it, but the disciples knew it. Go to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. In verse 29. By the way, this is not a conclusive, exhaustive list. There are far more. I don't have time tonight to show you them all. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 29. The Bible says this. 
And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Jesus is walking on the water. Peter wants to do the same. And he, being Jesus, says, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. We always read that over pretty quickly. Again, he calms another storm. Wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship, watch, came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. We see it. We know it. They traveled with him. They spent time with him. They see him walk on water. They see Jesus do some amazing things. They see him call not one but two storms. Amazing. Absolutely amazing who Jesus was. And they realized that he is the Son of God. But not only did the disciples know it, even Peter himself knew it. Go to Matthew chapter 16. And verse 15. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 15. The Bible says this, He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, watch now, the Son of the living God. Peter knew it. So Jesus knew who he was. Satan knew who his number one enemy was, Jesus, the Son of God. The disciples knew it. Peter himself knew it and declared it. He had spent time with Jesus to see that he wasn't just another rabbi or just another upright man. Peter knew that Jesus was far, far greater. He was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Hold on. We're getting to why all of this matters. Look back with me in Romans chapter 1 and verse 4. But not only did these four groups of people or people know this look and it's declared verse 4 to be the son of god with power with power we've already read one verse in in john chapter 14 where he says to philip you know that i am the son of god how, how are you asking if you can't see it you have to see it by my works but jesus is being declared to be the son of god with power What Jesus did declared that he was the Son of God. So if you will, his power declared it. Go to Luke chapter 9. We've spent a great deal of time in Luke chapter 9 on Sunday mornings. Luke chapter 9, look at verse 42. The Bible says, And as he was yet a coming, the devil threw him down and tear him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. Verse 43. And they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. But while they wondered everyone at all these things which Jesus did, he said unto his disciples and he continues on. They marveled at the power of God. In this story, guess what happens? The disciples try to cast out a demon out of a boy. Hey, I, I, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cast him out. And so Jesus casts out the demon in the power of God. The power of God does it. Go to John chapter 17. 
His power declares that he is the Son of God. John chapter 17. By the way, again, this is Jesus' prayer to God. John chapter 17, verse 1. The Bible says this. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Notice again that thou, God, has given him power. His power is declaring that Jesus is God. Go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. This kind of brings us into the culture of this time. Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. The Bible says this. Ye men of Israel, this is Peter standing and preaching. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you. How? By miracles and wonders and signs. Watch, which God did by him in the midst of you. Watch, as ye yourselves also know. As ye yourselves also know. This was just common knowledge. Everybody knew it. They knew that Jesus Christ was from God. They knew that he was God. He was given power by God. So how do they know that? By the signs and wonders that he had done. Miracles, wonders, and signs. So Peter openly states, we all knew that his power was from God. It wasn't just something that Jesus spoke. Everybody knew it. Go back to Romans chapter 1. There's more. Verse 4, and he declared to be the Son of God with power. How? According to the spirit of holiness. So he was declared because of his power, but his power according to the spirit of God. Now we're getting to some important things. Go to Matthew chapter 3. Are your fingers tired yet? Matthew chapter 3. Look at verse 13. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. The Bible says this, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it now to be so, for thus it becometh to fill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So this is a place where we see the Trinity. We see God the Father. This is my beloved Son. We see the Son And we see the Holy Spirit descending on him like it of all three members of the Trinity in one moment at the baptism of Jesus Christ. Now God is declaring. The Holy Spirit is declaring. Jesus is baptized. The Holy Spirit descends upon him. And this ties directly into our next passage, John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 29. 
John chapter 1 and verse 29. This is important. The next day, John, John the Baptist, seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, watch, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. Watch this. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw, watch, and bear record that this is the Son of God. So John the Baptist is sent forth. And he's sent forth saying, you're going to prepare the way for one that's coming after you. And you'll know who that is when the Spirit of God descends upon him and remains on him. And John stands back. As he's baptizing Jesus, as Jesus comes out of the water, he sees the heavens open. He sees the Spirit of God descend upon him as a dove, and he declares, I am witness. This is the Son of God. So now we have Jesus knowing. We have Satan knowing. We have his, his demons knowing. We have the disciples knowing. We have Peter knowing. We have John the Baptist knowing. We have God declaring. We have the Holy Spirit working. We have the power of God. All of these things are adding up to Jesus, the Son of God. Go over to Luke chapter 4 with me. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, look at verse 14. By the way, verse 1, Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The Spirit's working, verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out fame of him through all the region round about. So he comes in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jump down to verse 18. He says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So I want you to understand the power comes according to the Spirit of God. According to the spirit of holiness found in Romans chapter 1, he goes out in the power of the spirit and claims that the spirit is upon him. And the spirit is the one who anoints him to heal the sick, to heal the blind, to help those who are bruised, to preach to them and preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The spirit is working in his life. Go to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. The Bible says this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, how? With the Holy Ghost and with what? Power. Who went about doing good. There's the works. 
and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Verse 39, and we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. Do you you see, if we're trying to prove something, we're collecting all of these witnesses. And here's, I don't know how many more, 120, 12, I don't know. All I know is there's more witnesses. We are all witnesses of, of this, that God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost and with power. And these things are declaring that he is the Son of God. But not only was it the power of the Spirit that helped prove, that he was the son of God. It was also the fact that he rose from the dead. Go back to Romans chapter 1, verse 4. And declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness. How? By the resurrection from the dead. We spent a great deal of time on the resurrection of the dead from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll go there in just a second. The resurrection of the dead proves that he was the Son of God. Go to Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. This is important. You can see verse, verse 9, talking about the Spirit in the flesh. Verse 10, talking about the Spirit of life. Verse 11, but if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. So the Spirit of God raised him from the dead, that is the same spirit that dwells in us. In fact, Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, the Bible says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Why? That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. This ties directly into 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So let's turn over there. Hope I haven't lost you yet. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 20. Jesus was the first of many who are going to be resurrected from the dead. He's the firstborn among many brethren. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 20, the Bible says this, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. The first of many. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits. Afterward, they that are Christ's at his coming. So Jesus Christ, with the resurrection of the dead, proves that he was the Son of God. And not only was it proof that he was the Son of God, that he paid that penalty because that resurrection of the dead was going to be passed on over and over and over. There's coming a day where we will be resurrected. There's coming a day when the dead in Christ shall rise first. If not already, most of us, hopefully sitting here today, have already passed from death unto life. Our sins condemned us to death, but we have been made alive through the blood of Jesus Christ. So the resurrection of the dead proves, again, that Jesus is the Son of God. 
from these two verses, we see an amazing amount of people, amazing amount of witnesses that prove that Jesus is the Son of God. He is God. That's wonderful. That's great. In fact, the Bible even tells us that his name shall be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. It's in his name, God with us. Okay, that's great, Pastor Yeomans. But the question must be asked, how is that beneficial to us? God comes down. He spends some time with us. He does it maybe to help us out a little bit. But how is that beneficial? How is him visiting mankind helpful? How is it that him spending time with us is helpful? He doesn't even know what it's like. He doesn't know what it's like to be us. It's like the king coming down and living with us or coming to visit us. Hey, it's great. You visited. You spent a little bit of time, a politician coming and spend a little time maybe, maybe understanding just a little bit of what you go through, but they don't live here. They don't know what it's like to go through all of these things. They aren't uh, uh, being, being drawn the way that we are, they're struggling with the same things we are. Well, just so happens that in Romans chapter 3, or 1, verse 3, we skipped over a portion. The gospel of God concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, watch, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Jesus would come from the seed of David. I'm not going to take the time to go through this all. But Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 10 prophesied that there would be a branch out of the stem of Jesse. Jeremiah 23 verses 5 and 6 again say much the same thing. Matthew chapter 1 talks about the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 1 talks about the genealogy of Jesus Christ and how he came from David. This is incredibly important that he came from David because that was foretold. It was prophesied about. But the most important part of this phrase is the fact that it was according to the flesh. We've taken a great deal of time to look at the spiritual side of God. In fact, John chapter 4 tells us that God is a spirit, and he that worships him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit. That's great, God, wonderful, glad you came down. But also, God took upon him the form of a man. God was born in the flesh. This is important. Jesus was born, watch this, in the flesh by the spirit. Jesus was born in the flesh by the Spirit. Jesus, as we've already talked about, had the power of the Spirit on him. But he also knew what it was to be in the flesh. This is the doctrine of incarnation. This is the doctrine of incarnation. God becoming flesh. God becoming flesh. Now this is really where it hits home. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Verse 1. John chapter 1 and verse 1. 
The Bible says this in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it. Not verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Just hold on just a second. In case you don't know who this is talking about, this is talking about Jesus. Jesus is the word. John the Baptist is to bear witness of the light, the word, the light. Verse 8, he was not that light, talking of John the Baptist, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We're going to talk about that next week. Verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Watch, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, Jesus came to this earth. He became flesh and He dwelt among us. And he was full of grace. He was full of truth. But we're not done there. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. The Bible says this, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Jesus came in the flesh in verse 16, therefore, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Here's the reality, is Jesus Christ is the Son of God, incarnated. He is the Son of God, incarnate, God in the flesh. We say that all the time in church, but how do we know that's true? There's witnesses, all kinds of them. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus was God in the flesh. Hear me. He was fully God. Had the Spirit of God working in Him, moving in Him, uh, anointing Him. He had God the Father in Him. Jesus in God. God in Him. He was fully God, but He was also fully man. He was in all points tempted like as we are. He knew what it was to live like us. He dwelt among us. He knew what it was to be tempted like us. Change those stones to bread. 
Hey, I want you to have the lust of your eyes and fulfill your desires. I want you to have the pride of life. I want you to jump off the pinnacle of the temple and that your angels will save you. The pride of life. He was in all points tempted like as we are. He knew what it was to hurt like us. He knew what it was to hunger like us. He knew what it was to be happy like us. He knew what it was to be depressed like us. He knew what it was to be scared like us. But in all of this, he did not sin because he was God. Listen, this is so incredibly hard for us to understand. But here's the reality. We don't have to understand it. We just have to believe it. We don't have to understand how God became flesh because God does things just a little bit differently than we do. We don't understand it, but here's the reality. It is true. Jesus was tempted, but he never sinned. Why does all of this matter? Why does all of this matter? Why? Because he was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Jesus, God in the flesh, God incarnate, was the perfect sacrifice. The perfect Lamb of God. In fact, remember, John called him the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. There's only one way that John could call him that, is if he was fully God and fully man. He was the perfect Lamb of God. I want to go to one last passage and I'll be finished. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter one and verse eighteen. First Peter chapter one and verse eighteen. I started by asking you, how do you know that Jesus is your Savior? How do you know that the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? I hope this will answer it for you. Look at verse um, eighteen. Peter saying this, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. From your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, look at verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish. And without spot, verse 20, watch, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory. Why? That your faith and your hope might be in Listen, this salvation, this salvation that is for every man, this salvation that was foreordained before the world began, this foundation that God allowed for everyone to see all the way through the Old Testament into the prophets, all the way into where Jesus Christ is alive, where he was nailed on the cross, and where he reveals this to Paul, this mystery is now revealed. All the way through, this salvation is not redeemed with corruptible things. You cannot earn it on your own. 
There is only one way to heaven, and that is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he was the perfect lamb. He was all God. He was all man. He was God incarnate. He knew what it was. The Bible tells us that every sin of the entire world, world Philippians chapter 2, we'll get there, was placed upon him. He who knew no sin. How could he handle that as God and man? This was designed before the world began. Why? Why? Notice again, verse 21, that your faith and hope might be in God. The entire book of Romans begins with salvation. And Paul is going to take time over the next 16 chapters. He's going to talk to us and bring us around and show us how Christ is the perfect sacrifice for our sins. How that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter your baggage, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Our trust is in not in just some random man, some good prophet, some wonderful person, some good teacher, a good rabbi, some man that lived 2,000 years ago. Listen, our faith is in not some random object. Our faith is in Almighty God, the living God. The basic thing that I want you to realize tonight is simply John 3.16, that God so loved you that he was willing to send his only son to this earth so that you can have eternal life with God when you die. Basically, he sent his son to rescue you. How do you know? How do you know you're saved? Jesus knew what he came for. Satan knew what he came for. Satan was trying to destroy him. Holy Spirit gave him the power. Peter found out why he came. The disciples figured out why he came. His power proved it. The Holy Spirit proved it. His resurrection of the dead proved it. John the Baptist knew it. Listen, so many things all tie together and point to the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. You might be asking, how does this apply to my life? Listen, this is, listen if you focus on nothing else the rest of this week, focus on the fact that Almighty God came clothed in flesh for you. For you and every person around you. So who are you going to tell today? Who are you going to give the gospel to? Who are you going to give that good news to this week? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all you've done. Thank you so much for your word again and the power that's behind it. Father, this may have been something that people already knew, but I hope it just solidifies again in their mind who you are, 
what you've done for us, who Jesus was, and the power of the cross to give salvation to all mankind. Father, as we look at this tonight, there ought to be only one emotion, just humility, a brokenness. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Father, help us to see you in a new light. Help us to be thankful for your shed blood and it's saving us from our sins. And Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.